Welcome to Growing Boulder. Over the next 60 minutes, you are going to meet some people who will show you how to get more out of life than you ever thought possible. Ordinary people who have made simple changes that started them on a journey and gave them the courage to open the door to some thoughts and maybe even some dreams they'd never thought possible or had given up on long before. I'm Mark Middleton, along with Bill Schaefer, asking you to give us that hour and see what happens. In just a minute, we're going to talk to the art world's psychedelic superstar. What the Beatles were to the music, this guy was to art. The great Peter Max is here. Also, songstress Ricky Lee Jones discusses singing, success, and loneliness. And straight from the Dr. Oz show, celebrity fitness and nutrition expert Lisa Lynn has tips to start improving your health today. Are you ready? It's time to start Growing Boulder. Freaky. I love it. <laughs> I'll tell you, folks, if you were around in the late 60s and 70s, you literally could not go anywhere without seeing the works of art of our next guest. He is, without question, the best-known pop and psychedelic artist of his generation. Uh, I don't know if he created the psychedelic movement, but he certainly made it his own. Artwork exploding with color and passion. His far-out perspective gave face to the cosmic 60s. His works became the icon of the counterculture. Give us a little bit more of that, Jason. Great stuff. His association with the Beatles was a huge part of his life. But now he's in his 70s, still vibrant, still impassioned, still creating stunning works of art. He's also released a fascinating book that tells the tale of his amazing life. From his birth in Germany, fleeing the Nazis, living in China, moving to Israel before finally settling in Brooklyn, where he would change the world. The book is called The Universe of Peter Max, and yep, we're thrilled to welcome Peter Max. How are you, Peter? Hey, nice, nice. Thank you so much. It's very nice of you to have me on. Hey, it's a, it's a thrill for us because we grew up with you. Everybody who's our age did. What was it like for you, Peter, in working on this book, The Universe of, of Peter Max, to take a look back and, in essence, relive your life? You mean, like, here's the thing is, over the years, you know, I've done so many unbelievable things. you got to understand, when I came out into the art world in sort of the late 60s, early 70s, right, The our universe, our planet, became like the biggest media thing on ever. There was not a lot of media around when Picasso and Monet and Matisse were around. Unfortunately for them, I was very fortunate. When I came on the scene... I think within the first year, I was seven, 16 months, I was seven times on the Johnny Carson show. Can you imagine that? I mean, I don't think that Picasso's lifetime did even half as much in the whole life. But I was just fortunate that the, you know, the evolution of Earth and people and media was so gigantic. Now, back then, there were maybe 15, 20 television stations, uh, channels and so forth. Today, there's 2,000 channels. It's unbelievable where it's going. Uh, so, Peter, let, let's accept the fact that, that, that your work w- was tremendous, outrageous, uh, exquisite work. But beyond that, I mean, what was it? Was it really just luck? Was it a particular person in the media? Or were you or someone associated with you just an incredible marketer? You know, I think that the world changed where marketing became what it is. And I was lucky because, you know, in 19, I don't know, 69, I was like 20 years old maybe, and um, one day I'm walking, I was about 23, I had a, a little boy already, I got married very young, uh, and I was walking down the street, and my little boy said to me, Daddy, Daddy, look, that's you. I said, where? He pointed at, at a newsstand, and as I'm looking at the newsstand, there was a guy inside, you know, those little newsstands, there's a guy inside the box, right? And uh, there were five magazines hanging down with, you know, paper clips. And they're all Life magazine, and I was in the cover of Life five times. I couldn't believe it. Wow. This was my, a shock of my life that I was in the cover of Life magazine, which was the biggest magazine. And then within a few months, I was in the cover of Time, cover of Fortune, 
I was on every magazine cover, and it hasn't stopped for 35 years. I've done over 10,000 magazine covers. And, and even then, Peter, in, it wasn't just your art, because in the 60s when you came on the scene, you blew everybody's mind, and among your biggest fans were the Beatles. You guys really became close. What was that like? It was enormous because the Beatles, everybody was fascinated, loved the Beatles. And to art, I was what the Beatles were. And to music, the Beatles were the Beatles. And I still remember being with Paul McCartney, who is, by the way, my best friend even today. We talk all the time. When he comes to New York, when he lands here, he calls me from the airport right away. And the other day, he was here. Paul McCartney calls me. He landed very early. And I was just, you know, ready to leave my house to go to the studio, and he said he was on Central Park West near near the park. He says, do you have time for breakfast? I said, oh, sure. I called up my studio. I had my girls cancel the next two, three hours, and I went and met him. By 11, 12 o'clock, he had to go to the next appointment. He stood up, got on the phone. He said, I just canceled all my meetings till 5 o'clock. So we stayed till 5. We went for lunch. We went for a brunch. We had breakfast. We just was the greatest time for me and for him. He was with Peter Max, and I was with Paul McCartney, if you can imagine that. For me, it was wild. Folks, we are talking to uh, the Beatles of the art world, Peter Max, who is now in his 70s and, uh, and still creating great artwork. Uh, Peter, how I'm often? In my early seven, I'm in my early 70s, going on 30. There you go. I'm hey, a vegetarian. Hey. I'm a, I'm a, listen, I'm a vegetarian. I'm a yogi. I do yoga. I I do I weigh 144 pounds. Wow! I'm in in amazingly good shape. I don't feel like I'm a day over 40 years old. Yeah, and he's written a new book uh, all about his life called The Universe of Peter Max. Peter, how often do you paint uh, these days, and how has your art evolved? Uh, are you as good a painter now as you were when you were back in your, in your 30s? Am I what? Would say that again? How has your art evolved over the last few decades? How often do you paint, and do you consider your? I paint. By the way, when I, I just arrived to the studio, and they told me I have an interview with you. Had I not had an interview with you, I would have been in my other room right now painting. And um, and you've got another call. <laughs> nope, I just cancel it because I'm on the phone with you guys. That was Paul McCartney. Yes. Tell him put him on hold. <laughs> yeah, Paul, could you hold a second, please? <laughs> I come into the studio every morning, 9, 10 o'clock. I take off my jacket. I put on my apron. I have a full-time DJ that works for me. He puts on some amazing music. We have 10,000 pieces of music at minimum, maybe maybe 20. And he puts on something he knows I love. And I'm at it. You know, I take a brush out that I love at the second. I dip it to the color I love at that second. And I start going. And the beautiful thing of it is, just if you would go with a short walk around the, the block or around the you know, park, you wouldn't know where you're going. Just, you know, you follow your wish. Same thing with me. What I paint, I have no idea what I'm painting. I just love the colors. I paint and paint. And suddenly I know I'm done. So then I'll do another canvas. And I let that happen, like humming a melody. You know what I mean? Hey, Peter, when you were back in the 60s, your artwork defined what life looked like through the eyes of young people. Now that you're in your 70s, what does that world look like now? Do you have the same optimism? Today, it's ten times. Today, the colors are ten times brighter, ten times bigger. The creativity of the planet Earth is beyond beyond belief. You know, everybody's on the internet. Everybody is working in digital media, and I have about fifty-five, sixty people working for me, and eighty percent of them are all into the digital stuff, and it's all stuff you can hold in your palm. It's mind-boggling. You could. You can go around the block and talk to 10 people from around the world in the same, within all, within five, two, a minute of each other. And uh, you can shop on the Internet, you know, with your little iPhone. That means everything you want is in that little machine. Peter, you've painted presidents, you've painted movie stars, you've painted airplanes, you've painted ships. Uh, is, there, is there a favorite work of art uh, that you have of your own? The favorite piece for me always is the one I'm working on, you know? Yeah. The favorite piece of music is the one I'm listening to. Of course, I've got favorites. I used to be best, you know, when I lived in Woodstock years ago, when I was in my mid-20s, you, you know who was my very best friend for about three, four years, and then he became so famous, it was unbelievable, Jimi Hendrix. Wow. He was my buddy. 
I would call him up and say, hey, you want to get a coffee? He says, yeah, but come by the studio for a second. I want to play you something. And he'd play me all the new songs he did in the day, two days before, constantly. What was it like then, Peter? Forgive me for asking you this as bluntly, but were you guys all, like, stoned back then? And you, you did you have some kind of awakening? Or, or was it your experiences back then that have given you such an optimistic view even now? I think it's my upbringing. My father and my mother both were very optimistic. We lived in Shanghai the 10 years of my life, the first 10 years of my life. And I lived there. And, you know, to live, can you imagine a little European kid living in China, one of the most creative places on the planet? That's where I lived. And uh, then I moved to Tibet. Then we moved from Tibet back to Shanghai, from Shanghai to Israel, from Israel to Paris. And from Paris, I moved to New York City, which blew my mind, you know, the most creative city on the planet still today. Well, you are definitely an international man speaking an international language uh, with your artwork. Peter, before we let you go, uh, you know, we we love to get perspective on life from people like you who are still getting it done, still enjoying life. What have you learned about life in general that you can share with the rest of us? Life is a gift from God, and it's a gift to us. And we keep on giving on his behalf to the rest of the world. Every time we walk, we talk, we do things, we're always being creative. We are little creative life forms. You know, you, myself, and everybody listening, we are creative little life forms. And we are just creative all the time. We do creative things. And we love creativity. It's why we love listening to music. We love seeing movies. We love having friends. And we love, you know, everybody's got their television set in their pocket and their iPhone now. So everybody can talk to everybody in the world from wherever they are. It's mind-boggling that we have that, and we evolve, and it's going to keep on going. God knows there could be planets in the universe that are a million years ahead of us. God knows what they know. And, Peter, you've had a bird's-eye seat for the whole thing, getting to hang with Jimi Hendrix and even to this day spending a whole day with Paul McCartney. It's because you brought something special to the culture and you continue to bring something special to the world. The book is called The Universe of Peter Max. It'll take you back in time, but it will also help propel you into your future. Our thanks to the incredible Peter Max. Don't you know Up next, one of the most unique and passionate voices in music today, revealing conversation with the great Ricky Lee Jones. This is Growing Boulder. Support for Growing Boulder provided by... Advent Health, introducing the Feel Whole Challenge, a 21-day program offering big improvements through small steps. Taking a walk, making a smoothie, changes that encourage whole person health. More information at feelwholechallenge.com. And by The Legacy Life Project from Macbeth Studio, preserving family history, stories, and memories for generations to come by creating personal video biographies of your loved ones. Everyone has a story worth preserving. LegacyLifeProject.com. This is Growing Boulder. I'm Bill Schaefer with Mark Middleton with a guest I think that you'll find pretty fascinating. Hers is one of the most unique, dynamic, and spellbinding voices in the music business. She's like a street poet, a, a storyteller, a Sean Toos extraordinaire. Wow, who would want to be called that? You know, she's also a dedicated social activist, someone who's always wanted to make a difference. However... She is cut from a bit of a different cloth, and even though she's had a good career, it hasn't always been great. We've got together with Ricky Lee Jones to find out what she had to say about her journey through life so far. Chucky's in Love. It was 1979 when that landed on the charts, and the girl in the red beret became a household name. Ricky Lee Jones won the Grammy for Best New Artist that year. Her unique style and her ability to strike a different chord has kept her going ever since. 
I'm glad that when people see me that they still get the message that it's still being transmitted right to your heart. She could have been one of the biggest stars in the world, but fame made her uneasy. Still, her vocal style and vivid storytelling kept her in the limelight, a place she didn't really want to be. A critic dubbed her the Duchess of Coolsville, but the journey from obscurity to obsession, well, it was overwhelming. Just when she stood at the threshold of stardom, she pushed it all away. I did. What were you thinking? (laughs) I did. Now I go, what were you thinking? I think I thought I had two feelings. I thought I had the arrogance of of youth and going, I'll always have what I have. But I also had uh, the street or middle class family thing that said, don't value this, this is false. Stay true to whoever you are inside, no matter how little it is. Hold on to that, because when this is, this will end. It's her last chance. The timings are all the last chance. She can't add on this long. Her last chance. The funny thing about chances is you never know which will be your last. Ricky had to step back and figure out what drew her to music in the first place. She had to decide what success was to her. She found celebrity to be a very cold and unfulfilling place, and she was searching for something different. you hurt me bad this time? I'm burning It is a charmed life, but we're always only who you are inside. You know, when the camera goes off, you're as lonely as you are. You know, you get more, you get a cheese plate. (laughs) You You get wonderful things that happen. But at the end of the day, if you don't fix and care for and love the one inside, it doesn't matter how charmed it is. Well, aside from those cheese plates, she's been trying to fix and carefully love the one inside ever since. It's driven her to create some compelling and unforgettable music, but it's also given her an unfiltered perspective on life, one that sees the good, but all the warts as well. And after years of searching for fulfillment, companionship, and love, well, she's still not sure if she'll ever find it. Is it good to be Ricky Lee Jones today? Well... Most days, you know, I think I'm lonely and alone, and sometimes I think I'm just alone, but other times I think you've been alone so long you don't even know that you're lonely anymore. Other times I think maybe not everybody is supposed to pair off, you know, there's so much pressure that we're supposed to pair off, but... If I go to bed at night and I have good dreams and I get up and pet my dog and go, what a beautiful world, maybe that's good. So I struggle with feeling more and more isolated from human beings. But I know I've always been, I mean, since I was little, it's not just fame. I was always alone on the playground. So... So I struggle with who I am and who I should be, just like anybody. But, man, you know, I wake up and I go, look at that beautiful lizard. Look at that beautiful deer. Look at the sky. It's made of birds and rabbits. Can you see that? And I think, I think other people, maybe they don't see all the things they saw when they were little. I think I still look out of the same eyes every single day. So I think it's good, mostly. And sometimes those little girl eyes see the things the rest of us miss, a different reflection of ourselves. And even though the red beret is long gone, the woman who wore it remains more passionate, more courageous, and certainly wiser than ever. The thing I didn't like about fame and don't like about fame is people place you above themselves they place fame above themselves 
I don't, I don't want to presume or suggest that I know anything just because you've heard my name. And maybe that's the true magic of Ricky Lee Jones, still thirsty to learn, still courageous, still searching for meaning through her incredible music. Very interesting, Mr. Schaefer, an open, honest conversation with really an amazing performer. Uh, and I don't think I can top a chanteuse extraordinaire, <laughs> uh, but however, she is complex, she is tender, she is tough, very fascinating person. And you know what's cool about that, Mark? What's she that? is still writing complex, tough, tender, and heartfelt music. And what a gift it is to experience her music live. Don't miss her the next time you have a chance. You can see her interview at growingbolder.com. That was Ricky Lee Jones. And time now for a dose of wisdom from a man who's got a lot of that to share. He spent his career as an actor, musician, writer, and producer in Hollywood, where he was never afraid to take a risk. In fact, he's worked with all the big shots from the great Bing Crosby to Ernie Kovacs and Mr. Warmth himself, Don Rickles. You know, this guy is also a very keen observer. Now in his 80s, he's gathered all the wisdom he's picked up over the decades, and he's created these little gems, these segments, sure to make you think... Ain't life grand? He's a guy who just may be the next Paul Harvey. So we turn the mic over to Mr. Key Howard. You know, tucked away in our subconscious mind is an idyllic vision. We see ourselves on a long trip that spans the entire continent. We're traveling by train as we drink in the passing scenes of children waving at the crossroads, cattle grazing on the hillside, rows upon rows of corn and wheat, mountains, rolling hills. But uppermost in our minds is the certainty that on a certain day we'll arrive at our final destination. We'll pull into the station. And once we get there, so many dreams will come true, and the pieces of our lives will fit together like a complicated jigsaw puzzle. When I'm 18, we cry. When I buy that new Mercedes. When I put my last kid through college. When I reach the age of retirement. I'll live happily ever after. Well, sooner or later, we must realize that there is no station. You see, the true joy of life is the trip. The station is only a dream that constantly outdistances us. Psalm 118 probably said it best, This is the day which the Lord hath made. Rejoice and be glad in it. So stop pacing the aisles and counting the miles. Life must be lived as we go along. The station, it'll come soon enough. Until next time, this is Key Howard. Ain't life grand. Up next, she's the hottest celebrity fitness and nutrition expert in the country today. See why Lisa Lynn believes she can help anybody get the body they've always wanted. This is Growing Boulder. Support for Growing Boulder provided by... The Center for Health and Well-Being, now open in Winter Park. Wholeness, fitness, and medicine together in one convenient location offering programs and services to promote healthy living and positive aging. More at yourhealthandwellbeing.org. Sign up for the Growing Boulder Insider Newsletter, delivered to your inbox every week. Be the first to see our latest interviews, stories, and tips for making each day count. Sign up today at growingbolder.com.
You're listening to Growing Boulder. I'm Bill Schaefer with Mark Middleton, and our next guest is a celebrity fitness and nutrition expert who specializes in metabolic weight loss and performance nutrition. And it's important because her take on losing weight is very different, and it's one that's changing the lives of people who've tried every diet and every gimmick going until they've just plain given up. She gets why some people can't lose weight, and she understands it starts with motivation. And she's discovered how to trigger it. She believes she can light the spark in anyone and get healthy, transformative results. She's the go-to expert for Dr. Oz and was Martha Stewart's personal trainer for 13 years. She is the hottest fitness expert going and the founder of Lynn Fit. Let's learn more from Lisa Lynn. How are you, Lisa? I'm very well. You probably can see me blushing through the phone, but that was a very nice intro. Thank you. How can anybody not fall in love with you? You are a one-woman crusader who is out there not trying to build an industry, not trying to rake in as much as you can and run on to the next business. But you, this is a topic that means everything to you. Well, you know what? It's extremely near and dear to my heart because I had been there. I had tried every single diet only to feel worse about myself, broke because I bought every gimmick when it really is much simpler. And I actually do have a a stubborn, slow metabolism. I have a horrible thyroid. Um, And if I can lose weight, anybody can. And um, I really care about the people sitting out there thinking it's just not in the cards for me. Yes, it is. What what do you mean, Lisa, that you've been there? I mean, we look at your pictures, and you, you know, you're hot, you're toned, you're cut. You know, you couldn't you couldn't have possibly relate to the to the people out there that can't lose weight. I was forty pounds overweight, which may not sound like a lot to the people who are a hundred pounds overweight, but I was teaching three hours of aerobics a day. I was vegetarian, and I was lifting weights at least an hour a day, plus hitting the stairmaster. I basically allowed exercise to consume my life. You know, vegetarian, never a diet soda, God forbid. And I've turned it around, and, and it, I, it's my personal mission to teach people the things that we're going to talk about today, that it's simple, and there's some tools out there that can help you. But, Lisa, isn't it part of it that you're that kind of person that can do that? I mean, I want to be a vegetarian. I don't think I can make myself. No, I want to no. go to the gym all day. I can't make myself. <laughs> to be honest, I ate really horribly, and I used to laugh when they used to say to me, you're going to crave vegetables. I hated vegetables and said, how do people live like this? But the truth is, it starts with one step, one decision, and the next thing you know, you're, you're further down the line than you think, feeling better, and your whole new life takes over. But you've got to start with one step. But see, now we're getting somewhere because, you know, now this is something I, I, can, I can see doing if it's just one step at a time. Where do we start? Well, you know what? The first thing we start with is our mood. Usually when we're overweight and we're feeling like that, you know, defeated, we don't feel good. And you have to somehow jumpstart your body healthfully, safely, so that you feel better and you want to take those original steps. And one of the first things I actually suggest that people wake up in the morning and do, believe it or not, is push away the coffee because it might jack you up and out of bed, but it actually drops you down later further and it elevates the stress hormone cortisol, which makes your body retain fat in the middle and it also won't shed fat. And usually we put milk and sugar in the coffee, and those two things are horrible. So I suggest moving them away and start your day with green tea. And I know, I know, believe me, I I had to do this again on New Year's Eve. I had to get rid of the coffee again, put the green tea, and start with green tea and white kidney bean extract, believe it or not. Wahoo? Yes, white kidney bean extract, but not just any white kidney bean extract will do, but one called Phase 2 that has the amount of white kidney bean extract in it you need to help control blood sugar levels. And why that's important immediately right out of the chute in the morning is if we can control our blood sugar levels, we can control our cravings, and all of what we eat has everything to do with our mood. It's like a first things first principle, if you will. So pushing the coffee away is a big deal. You, you know, you mentioned something else I, I, I kind of want to touch on because you, you talked about your, you had thyroid problems, and I hear that time and time again. Some people yeah. don't even know that that's the issue, but that silly little gland can just stop you in your tracks. 
And not only that, sometimes it doesn't, I mean, if you've got a clinically diagnosed really bad thyroid, you need to get medication, but a lot of people think they're eating right and they're not, and, and so they think their thyroid's horrible, they get it tested, the doctor says no. Well, the truth is, these tips we're going to give you are also going to help when you start to balance out your eating, you can actually enhance your thyroid and how it functions. Exercise helps keep it conditioned, believe it or not, so we got to take care of that little guy. You know, we all want the pill, though. You know, we all want that quick yeah. fix that we can take. Just that's gonna... for the record, the pill doesn't do anything. You still have to do all. I still adjust as much maintenance, but what I've learned is how to eat to take care of that. The pill gives you a little tiny bit of assistance, but it's not going to take the weight off yet. These two things, like taking the cream and the um, sugar out of your coffee, I have a girl who works with me, lost seven pounds in New Year's. We all clean it up a little further again. Seven pounds removing that one thing. Yeah, I, I, th- I would think that uh, people would be ecstatic if they could do that. So does this LinFit, is your philosophy kind of to like stop and coffee? Is that peeling the onion one step at a time until you get down? It is, and I have to say that I did that for the first time this year. I never gave up the coffee because I drank it black, but it's changed a lot. It's an instantaneous feeling when I get up and drink green tea and take phase two of doing something good for my body. And I'm sleeping better at night. So even though I preach this, I knew it. I still fall in the hole. I just have to kind of surrender to the process and give it up. And for a while, I felt like something was missing. But now um, I just feel much better drinking green tea all day. It's better, it's better to get your fluids in that way because there's not as much caffeine in green tea. You know, everybody gets what you say. We all agree 100%. We know we need to be more active. We know we need to eat better. We just can't do it. Yeah. And if you feel better, you're going to be more active. Like you're going to, if you're not having those slumps after eating the sugar, you're going to feel like, like, hmm, like bored and fidgety on the couch. If you're sitting there, you're going to want to get up and maybe you're going to clean the house, take a walk, walk the dog. And I guess you have to see some kind of result for your work also. But you know what? When you start to make these changes, you see, and more importantly, you feel the result pretty much in the same day, and that makes you want to keep doing it. You get hooked to the good feeling. And my next suggestion actually really helps as a big, a bigger mood booster than we think, and that's taking omega-3. My big suggestion this year is take omega-3 at 3 because at 3 we start to start craving again. We get tired. Most of us can't take naps. So instead of jacking yourself up with these sports drinks and and food, carbs, take omega-3 at 3. It'll blunt your cravings. It helps control blood sugar yet again. And it's known to ease depression. It's an anti-inflammatory. And if you've got anything aching, we all know how terrible that makes us feel. So these two little tips are what I consider safe supplements that make you feel good, and you'll pretty much see and feel results right away. Is this the kind of thing, Lisa, that we can find at linfit.com? You can, and what's important for people to look for, and you should go to your cabinets now and turn your bottles around, you want to look for enough DHA and EPA. Your omega-3 has to have at least 500 of each of those in order to get these changes. And while you're nourishing your body and you start exercising, this will also help with any inflammation that, you know, if you haven't been walking for a year and you start, you might get a little achy at first. It's, you know, folks, we could have had a million different diet nutrition people on. We go to Lisa Lynn because she's got a track record of, of success, of helping people that don't think it's going to work for them. And uh, we want more. We need more. And we can get more Lisa Lynn. Find all of her latest books and learn more about how to protect your health, how to start the transition to a new, healthier you at LynnFit.com. Our thanks to Lisa Lynn. No excuses, folks. Let's get out there and get healthy. Life lessons from a man who suffered unspeakable horrors as a child, whose desire now is to make a positive difference in a lot of people's lives. His heartbreaking story is next. This is Growing Boulder. Support for Growing Boulder provided by... Winter Park's new Crosby Wellness Center at the Center for Health and Well-Being. More than just a gym, it features unique medically integrated programs, activities for all ages and skill levels, and free group exercise classes with memberships. More at CrosbyWellnessCenter.org. Stay connected to Growing Boulder for daily doses of hope, inspiration, and possibility. Find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram for our latest stories and motivational pictures. The following interview was recorded before the passing of our guest. My guard stood hard when abstract threats to noble 
You're listening to Growing Boulder with Mark and Bill, and we talk a lot on this program about overcoming obstacles, how important it is to face up to your challenges and find a way to deal with them no matter how overwhelming they may be. Well, we are about to have a conversation with someone who has overcome the most horrendous time in human history, a survivor of the Holocaust. Yeah, hard to imagine, Bill, but this guy was just 11 years old when Germany invaded his native Poland. He was eventually taken to Auschwitz, where right in front of of him, his brother was shot to death, and where his mother, already decimated by disease and starvation, actually died in his arms, weighing just 50 pounds. His story is born in tragedy, but folks, it ends in victory of a life well-lived. This is a man who made a difference and continues to make a difference, someone who has made helping others his priority. We are honored to have a chance to say hello to Saul Blywitz. Hey, Saul, how are you? Thank you so much, and hi to you. And a belated Happy New Year to both of you, Bill and Mark. You know, it's so important, Saul, that we are able to get firsthand accounts of of, uh, of what went wrong from, from people like you, because it seems the further we get from the Holocaust, the fewer survivors are left. The harder it becomes to comprehend in our minds that that kind of cruelty could ever even have existed. What was it like to experience it as a young man? Well, it's very, very unfortunate to even try to explain that a intelligent country like Germany could inflict torture and execute people, kill people on dead marches, put them into concentration camps to ghettos, and treat them less than animals, take away their freedom. Unfortunately, things were bad, but when you have faith that you're going to survive, I always used to tell, and I tell stories to the young people in the colleges and high schools, you can break a person's body, but you can't break their mind. And the will to live is stronger than anything else. And the things that happen before, during World War II, could happen any place in the world. When you get someone that is a good orator, that can hypnotize the people and make them believe in their ideology and their philosophy, could happen anywhere in the world. And people don't care today. I believe that if you treat people the way you want to be treated, you can't be wrong. Life is too short. Don't ever ask what the country can do for you. Try to do something for the country. And I came out of the frying pan into the fire, and I served in Okinawa and the Korea. And there is no patriotism today that I remember. I was born in Poland, but I love America. I lived under different systems. There is no country in the world that has the freedom that this country has. And I think that people should think of other people. And the reason why I talk to young people, because first of all, you have no time to get old. And you stay involved with young people trying to tell them they are the future leaders of our country. Education means a lot to me. And to believe in God is one of the strongest things that gets you through in life. Without the love of God, you have nothing. And as I said before, if you treat people the way you want to be treated, You'll never go wrong in life. And I raised my children with the foundation that if you do something, don't give it 100%, but give it 110%. And we raised children, and I think that I brought a gift to the state of Florida and to Gainesville. Our son, Mark Blywise, who is the medical director of the congenital department at Shen's, Mm. He has saved many children, and he's one of the, in my heart, 
one of the greatest human beings you'll ever find because he has compassion. And my wife has put in the fear of God into our children to believe and do for humanity, do good for people. And whatever goes around comes back. God watches over you. If you do the good things in life, you can't go wrong. And thank God, as I said, after going through coming out of hell into the paradise, I have a marvelous family, beautiful children, and good friends. And I have been interviewed by many newspapers, many television stations, magazines, and I try to tell everybody, you don't know how good you got it here. It's still the greatest country on earth. And hope that things change and life gets back to normal where people can enjoy their life. You know, Sal, everybody has obstacles to get over. All of us do. We all think that our obstacles are the biggest. But you stand tall as an example of what can happen when we choose to survive, when we decide to overcome the things that are laid in our path. And that's why we admire you. We admire your message. You're a gift because you chose to survive. You have been a gift to all of the children who you speak to. And your son has been a gift to the children he has healed. So by surviving, you have created generations of healers and of people who have helped motivate us. And that's why we want to thank Sal Blyweiss for joining us today from his home in Gainesville, Florida, and Mark, what he does in spreading the word to other people. Yeah, as often as we can, we like to get people like Saul on this radio program and let them share with you a slice of their life and what they have learned. And we'll get Saul back on another time and learn more about his story because he is an incredible man and a phenomenal resource. Uh, the great Saul Blywise. Saul, thank you for your time. Up next, she's over 65, but she's having the time of her life. What she wants to pass along to help you eventually do the same. This is Growing Boulder. Support for Growing Boulder provided by... Advent Health, introducing the Feel Whole Challenge, a 21-day program offering big improvements through small steps, like a daily walk, making smoothies, changes that encourage whole person health. More information at feelwholechallenge.com. Subscribe to Growing Boulder Magazine, now with more information, articles, and photos than ever before. This quarterly publication is unlike any other, filled with the kind of inspiration you need to live your life to the fullest. More information at growingbolder.com slash subscribe. You are listening to Growing Boulder. I'm Mark Middleton. That good-looking guy over there is Big Bad Billy Schaefer. And our next guest, well, I can tell you two things about her. She is over 65. We're going to ask her exactly how much coming up. And she's loving every minute of it, minute of it, and with good reasons. First, she is not alone. Each day in this country, about 8,000 people are now celebrating their 65th birthday. Today's typical 65-year-old woman is healthier, more physically active, better educated, uh, and really, Bill, more restless than ever. Yeah, that's her big point. And a woman turning 65 today has a life expectancy of 20 more years, and that's a lot of time. And it has many asking the question, how can I make the most out of that time? Well, our next guest has a good idea. She's one of the founders of the website ElderChicks.com. Com, and along with Barbara Fleischer, has written a book entitled The New Senior Woman, Reinventing the Years Beyond Midlife. Well, let's say hi to Thelma Reese. How are you, Thelma? Hi. Hi. Nice to be with you. Thelma, you're not over 65, are you? Oh, I'm well over 65. And you're not afraid. I'm, I'm well and well over 65. And you're not afraid? 15 years over. Wow. And, and you're proud of that? You're not afraid? You don't, you don't curl when people ask you how old you are and shy away? Heavens, no. And, you know, I, I just wrote a little piece for uh, <clears throat> elderchicks.com that I'm going to post tomorrow 
Uh, and I, because I was talking to one of the women in our book, the new senior woman, and she said she doesn't like younger people saying she's their mentor. And we realized they don't mean mentor. They mean role model. And so now that she is turning 89 and still very active at the gym every day, has a business going on, has a wonderful social life uh, and professional life, I said, you're not their mentor. You're their role model. And what people today, what women today are seeing at 65 and younger is that they have a lot more years to look forward to. So they're looking at role models They want to see how to do it, how people who are living well are doing it in so many different ways, Uh, some of them very healthy, some of them not, but still living a good, productive life. How about that? Thelma Reese gets it. Thelma, man, you just hit the nail on the head because, you know, that's our business as well. Uh, you know, we're not broadcasting to people in their 80s and 90s. They, they listen and we're happy when they do. But, but, but people that are younger need to know what is possible when you're 65 and 70. And like you, 80, they need to know that life is still worth living. So thank you for showing everybody that. Well, not only is it worth living, we're still finding role models. We wrote this book. uh, Bobby Fleischer and I wrote this book. We're both retired professors because we looked around and we thought, you know, we're not seeing role models because life was so different for our mothers and aunts and grandmothers. And people, for the most part, didn't live as long. Uh, Just look at the population population. graphs. It used to come to a point at the top, you know, where there were these few people. Now it's leveled off into a straight line because there are so many more people living so much longer and healthier. And what are they going to do with this time? Most people don't want to sit around a rock. When we say we rock, we're not talking about chairs. Well, let's look at you, Thelma, because here you are 80 years old and you have one of the most popular blogs going today, ElderChicks.com, when most people think that people that uh, your age don't even want to go near a computer. How boring. How very, how very isolating, because today it's easier than ever Even if you don't want to use a computer, you can use an iPad and have all the advantages. Uh, You can still find all these wonderful blogs. You can still interact with people of all ages. You can still feel that you're in on what's going on. And the worst thing about aging for most people we found in writing The New Senior Woman was isolation. You've got to stay with it, with the community, with people of all ages, and know what's happening. You know, folks, we are speaking with Thelma Reese, who has written a book called The New Senior Woman, Reinventing Years Beyond Midlife. Uh, uh, Thelma, when you get to be 80, uh, are you as optimistic about the future as you are when when you are 40? Do you enjoy the now as much? I mean, what's it like? Well, the point is that you just hit the nail on the head. Enjoy the now. Enjoy the now. I remember my mother was kind of not as optimistic when she was maybe in her 70s. By the time she hit 95, she really meant it when she said, this is right now and this is the time I have. She stopped looking forward so much. And really started enjoying the moment. You don't know what's going to happen. You can't know, but you can. The only time you can control a little bit is right now. So make the most of it. Thelma, do you see people getting the message, the readers of your book, the readers of your blog? Are more people understanding that the key is well, I think so. Of course, we don't know what's happening to the people we're not reaching, but the people that we hear from are so interesting and so uh, have so much to offer. The point in our book was we did not want to look at people uh, who all sort of looked alike, sounded alike, and had such similar life experiences. So we interviewed, really had conversations in depth with 
more than 200 women, and they're not all in the book. But the ones who are have something to tell us. Um, they're, they're from all over the country and one in England. Uh, they're from every walk of life, from every kind of background and ethnicity, and every level of education. And something happens when people get older and smarter. If they let themselves get smarter and they don't just sit back, we have so much to learn from every one of them. Thelma Reese, folks, is out there smashing the stereotype that uh, most of the media perpetuates, and that is that life beyond a certain age is not stimulating, uh, exciting, uh, vibrant, and and all the other words that we love. Uh, Thelma says that ain't right, and, and we appreciate that. Here's a takeaway from today's show, folks. Life is precious, time is short, and you have just as much right to enjoy it as anyone else. So the question, though, is where do you start? Well, there's no greater resource out there than growingbolder.com. Check it out, bookmark it, share it with your friends. You'll find hundreds of interviews just like the ones you've heard today and hundreds more video stories all there to help you live your life to the fullest, growingbolder.com, and on Facebook and Twitter, too. You'll also find out where to watch Growing Boulder television, and you simply have to check out the latest issue of Growing Boulder magazine. Take control of your life because it's time to start growing bolder. Growing Boulder is a production of Boulder Broadcasting. All rights reserved. This program was recorded live at Growing Boulder's studios in Orlando and is available as a weekly podcast on NPR One, iTunes, Spotify, Google Play Music, Stitcher, and TuneIn. It is written and produced by Jill Middleton, Mark Middleton, and Bill Schaefer. Executive producers are Jackie Carlin, Robert Thompson, and Emily Thompson. Technical director is Jason Morrow. Production manager is Michael Nannis. Director of technology is Joshua Doolittle. Chief audio engineer is Mac Dula. And our most important team member is you. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram to keep growing bolder every day. Crimson flames tied through my ears, flowing high and mighty trap. Countless fire and flaming road, using ideas as my map. We'll meet on edges soon, said I. Deep somehow